Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for our time together, for our opportunity to study your word. I pray that as we open the text of scripture, you would speak truth to us, Father. We would recognize that truth. Take that truth, Lord, and apply it to our lives for your honor and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the things I enjoy doing and we enjoy doing as a family is camping. Now, with four children, that's a little more difficult than it used to be because for us, camping means I spend most of the afternoon packing up our van and the back of my truck with it seems like everything we own, right, with all the tents and the sleeping bags and all the equipment and all the wood and all the food, and we go out and we spend an hour setting up and cooking. We sleep for a few hours, we get up, we come home the next morning. It's just hurry, busy, you know, kind of difficult thing. We like it, we enjoy doing it, and we enjoy getting out when it gets a little bit cooler as a family and, and sleeping in a tent. And one of the things that I enjoy doing a little bit more than that even is backpacking. Backpacking is a little bit different than camping. Camping is kind of when you take your truck or your car or your vehicle and you load it up and you take everything with you out to the campsite. But backpacking is when you take a backpack and you fill it up with enough supplies to last you for two or three days and you just walk into the woods and survive. That's what's really cool about backpacking. I mean, guys are like, you know, we have to take everything we need on our backs, right? It's kind of a manly thing to do. And so as you think through backpacking, you have to kind of think through what you want to take because you're limited in space. So it's funny to me, every time I backpack, I'll put this thing on in my living room, right? And I'll try it on, and I'll, I'll test out the weight of it, and I'll see if it feels very heavy on my back. And I'll walk around the living room for like 32 seconds, and I'll be like, oh, this is easy. Oh, this is a lie. <laughs> I can put 50 more pounds on this thing, right? And then I get on the trail five minutes into the trail, and I'm dying because it's too heavy. So you have to be very careful, and you have to think through the space and the weight. So you buy real lightweight kind of stuff. You want your tent to be very lightweight, you want your sleeping bag and, and, and the mattress pad or whatever you take with you to, to, be, to ve- be very lightweight. And you have to think through what you're going to need to eat. I mean, you've you got to eat a certain number of meals and you, you probably want a breakfast and a lunch and a dinner. And maybe you want some sort of a nutritional bar in the middle. And you've got to think through your, your water. We went hiking on the Appalachian Trail several years ago. And on the Appalachian Trail, there's not a real clean source of water. There's water, but you can't just drink out of the stream. And so we would take this water purification kit and you would literally fill up your water bottle you would drop an iodine tablet in there, you know, shake it up, let it sit for about 30 minutes. You drop another tablet in there to remove the iodine taste, let it sit for 30 minutes, and then the water was drinkable. You could drink in it. So we hiked 15 miles on the Appalachian Trail doing our water like that. But the fun thing about camping to me, and the fun thing about backpacking especially, is you've got to be prepared. See, if, if you've ever done any real backpacking, you understand that if you don't prepare properly, not only are you not going to have a very good time, but it could be very dangerous for you. Because literally, when you're in the middle of the wilderness, there's nobody for many miles around and your cell phone doesn't work, the uh, amount and the level of preparation you put into your backpacking expedition really could mean the difference between life and death. And so I want to think this morning for a little while about the importance of preparing for worship. And I want to ask you this question. How many people show up at church on Sunday morning? How many people show up to our time of worship every Sunday morning, and they're prepared to hear what the Lord has to say to them. So I want to think this morning about preparation. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 5. This is week two in our sermon series that we've entitled True Worship. And we're going to spend the next many weeks thinking about the scriptures and thinking about exactly what the word of God says about worship. Last week we were in John chapter 4. And we made the point to say that worship isn't simply about a time or a place. It's not just about Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. We talked about the importance of worship that's pleasing to the Lord. We talked about the importance of worshiping in spirit and truth. And we defined worship last week like this. Worship is recognizing the greatness of God and properly responding to Him. Now we said that worship should be something that we do every moment of every day in our life. And we talked about not getting locked into this box of thinking we can only worship Sunday morning at 9.30 or Sunday morning at 8.30 or Sunday morning at 11 or whatever that looks like for you. But I would also submit, and I think the scriptures are going to bear this out as we continue to study through worship, that there is something special about the people of God coming together as a body and worshiping Him. And so I want to examine Ecclesiastes chapter 5 this morning because it's a picture of our time together. It's a picture of the importance of the church, but it's specifically a picture about our worship. And so we're going to begin this morning in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. I think we have these scriptures on the screen for us. Ecclesiastes written by Solomon, you familiar king of Israel, one of the wisest, wealthiest men to ever live. And here's what he says in verse 1 of chapter 5. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifices of fools who do not know what they do wrong. So there's this whole sense in the beginning of verse 1 that we're going to the house of the Lord, right? We're coming together to worship. We're coming together to study. We're coming together to know His will. Verse 2. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It's better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin and do not protest to the temple messenger. My vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? And now verse 7, much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. Now there's this sense in here that Solomon is speaking to us very clearly about our time together in worship. For the Jewish people, it was a moment of the temple, or was the location of the temple, is a time of worship and sacrifice for them. As we fast forward several thousand years, for us, it's our moment now in the worship service. But there's this picture that Solomon is speaking in verses 1 through 7 about worship. And so there's some truths I want to pull out. There's some truths I want you to understand as you begin to apply this idea of worship to your heart, as you begin to think about what true worship is, as you begin to think about what the Lord would do in your heart in our worship service. Here's truth number one. Truth number one is we should prepare throughout the week for worship. We should prepare throughout the week for worship. I want you to notice how verse 1 begins. Solomon says you need to guard your steps when you go to the house of God. There's this sense that we're going to the temple. There's this sense that we're going to the church building. There's this sense that we're going to meet together as the body of Christ to worship. And it begins with this idea of guarding our hearts. Guarding our steps. Guarding our minds. See, I think we should approach this idea of worship with caution. I think we need to understand the importance of worship in the Scripture. 
I think we need to understand the importance of what the Lord has called us to do and who the Lord has called us to be. And I think a lot of what we ought to be doing during the week as we think through our Christian walk is preparing ourselves to focus on the Lord. I just wonder how many times we think through the week and we go through the week, think about that idea of preparation. You know, it's fall, and, and for many of us, college football is an important part of our life during this time of year, right? I know we got some college football fans in here. We enjoy watching. If you've ever has, had a chance to go to a game, you understand the, the, the magnitude of the games and how important they are and how exciting they can be. But the thing that's always interesting to me about college football games is the group of people that tailgate. Now, some of you may tailgate. Tailgating's a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm the kind of guy that's never really been big into tailgating, but I enjoy going, and if I can go sit with somebody who does tailgate, it's interesting. But if you know anything about college football, you know that tailgating is a really big deal to people, right? In fact, it's such a big deal that some of these people literally buy these RVs. You've seen these RVs, right? These uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I don't know how much they are. They're very expensive RVs. They have a certain space that they go to, right? And they park there on maybe Wednesday morning, and they're there from Wednesday until the game. You know what I'm talking about, right? And they, they have the awning set up, and they have a, like a miniature tent city out there with all these tents, and they have this incredible spread of food and all these big screen TVs, right? And I walk by those kind of people, and I'm thinking, man, those ribs look good. <laughs> wow. I sure wish I could sit under that tent and that 55-inch. And they're always watching the other big game, right? You know, the other big game of the week. They're all watching it, and, you know, I'm trying to listen to see what the score is and kind of peeping my head behind them. And there are these people that, that get into this, and they prepare for this. But here's the interesting thing about this tailgating issue. I can assure you those people didn't wake up Saturday morning and think, you know, what if we went and tailgated today? What if we... What if we got the RV and got some tents together and maybe we'll stop by Publix on the way and grab some food? People don't do that. People for weeks out are looking ahead to those dates, right? And they've got it on their calendar and they know that this is the big game. So we're getting there on Tuesday afternoon, right? And we're setting the RV up and we're going to have a party and the tents are going to be set up. People are going to be coming all day throughout the week and we're going to have fun. It's Saturday morning. They get the food and they start preparing the food and they set their schedule and they get their TVs lined up and they get the tents lined up and they get the RV gassed up and they, they prepare themselves for this occasion, right? We prepare ourselves for a lot of things, don't we? We prepare ourselves for work. We prepare ourselves for vacation. We prepare ourselves for, for that hunting trip. We prepare ourselves for so many things. And here's what you need to understand about preparation. We usually spend great amounts of time preparing for the things that are important to us. Right? So how much do we prepare for worship? Do we think through at the beginning of the week how I need to begin to prepare my heart? So when I show up Sunday morning that the Lord can speak to me in a powerful way? Am I sitting at home on a Tuesday night and I think to myself, you know, Lord, I really need to spend some time in prayer right now to prepare my heart for Sunday morning. Do we think about the way we conduct our business and, and we conduct our lives and we speak to our boss and our coworker as preparation for Sunday morning? See, Solomon says we need to, we need to guard ourselves. We need, we need to be aware as we step, as we walk, as we go, as we live our lives thinking ahead to Sunday, as we live our lives thinking ahead to the time of worship when we could come together as the body of Christ, we need to think about that time and we need to prepare ourselves all through the week for worship. But here's the problem. If we were very honest with one another, nobody I don't think would admit this, but here's the problem. We don't prepare for worship because we don't take it seriously enough, right? It's just not that big of a deal to us. See, what begins to happen is because worship is not as important maybe as it used to be, we begin to allow these other things to crowd in. 
And because coming together as a body of Christ once a week for an hour or two hours or three hours or whatever your Sunday looks like, because that's not as big of a deal anymore, we allow these other things to become kind of a little bit of a bigger deal. And so we would say that worship is important, and we would say that we need symbol as a body of believers, and we would say that we need to prepare our hearts for what the Lord is going to say to us and how he's going to reveal himself to us and how he's going to work in our lives. We would say those things, and while we say those things, we live our lives differently, don't we? And because worship is not as big of a deal, that baseball tournament out of town becomes a little more important to us than it used to. We can skip church. Not a big deal. And because worship is not as important, that afternoon at the lake looks a little more appealing to us. So we're just going to skip church today and we're going we're to spend the weekend at the lake. Or because church is not as important to us, we begin to see these other activities as more important. And we begin to set aside church more and more and more. Now don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong with those things. But the problem becomes our idea and our heart and our view of worship when we minimize worship and it's not as important to us and we don't prepare our hearts for us it begins to slip farther and farther and farther down our priority list very interesting to me as we we think about worship kind of where our society has gone and and i want to say something here and and you can be mad at me if you want to i apologize in advance i'm just going to say it because i just this is what's in my heart i think sometimes we just we just fool around too much during the worship time and I grew up and I thought, you know what, I'm supposed to come and worship. I'm supposed to sit and pay attention and sing and study and pray. And that's what I'm supposed to do. Moving around, getting up. And I know there are emergencies. And I'm not, I'm not, I know there are legitimate emergencies. But, but I would encourage us in our time of worship, man, let's just try to stay as focused as we can. Let's tell our children to go to the bathroom before service starts. It's possible, I promise. I have four of them. They can go beforehand. They can hold it. I would encourage you, unless it's an emergency, I just feel like sometimes it's, it's, it's and, I, and I understand there are real emergencies, and I, I'm not talking about that, but I think sometimes worship just isn't a big enough deal to us. And I'm saying that from the truth of Scripture. It's not really my opinion. It's what the Word says over and over and over again, and there are other things that are more important to us, and there are other priorities that we place over worship. And, and so I want to encourage you to think through the importance of worship, to think through what Solomon is saying here, to, to think through all the things we've studied and all the things we're going to study about what worship ought to be and how, it ought to, how we ought to conduct ourselves in worship and how we ought to live our lives based on the truth of the Word of God. But I just notice, I just love what he does here because the Lord knows that this is going to happen in our hearts. He knows that we stray and he knows that we wander. And so he begins verse 1 with the word what? Guard. There's a danger here. Guard your steps. Be careful. Be mindful of what you're doing here as you go into the house of the Lord. Be careful. This is a big deal, right? This is important for us to spend time together to to, to think about who we are and to think about Christ and to live our lives that bring Him honor and glory because if we're not careful, we become these people that say one thing about worship and do something different, right? We say worship's important and we say we want to follow the Lord and we say we want to do His will and yet we don't live our lives to indicate that we really believe what we say. You know, Christ talked about that. In Matthew chapter 15, he was speaking to the Pharisees. And he said to the Pharisees, they had questioned some religious practices. And Christ says in Matthew chapter 15, verse 7, he uses the phrase hypocrites. You hypocrites, speaking of the Pharisees. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. He says, you, you shouldn't just really say one thing and do another. You shouldn't pretend that worship's important and not live your life like it is. You shouldn't say that church and Christ are the most important things in your life and then live your life in some other manner. Christ says, if you do that, you're a hypocrite. And I think this idea of worship in so many people's minds and in so many people's hearts isn't what it should be. One writer said it like this. 
do not run to the place of worship thoughtlessly or because it's the fashion to go frequently. But consider the nature of the place and the purpose in going. You understand that? We shouldn't just show up on Sunday morning because it's just what we've always done. We shouldn't show up to worship and just simply go through the motions. We shouldn't show up to church and say one thing and then live our lives differently. We need to prepare ourselves. We need to prepare for what the Lord's going to do in our hearts when we come together to worship Him. Now as we continue through this passage of Scripture, verse 2. Solomon says this as he finishes up verse 1. He says, Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they are wrong. In verse 2 he says, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. Here's the second truth. Not only should we prepare during the week, not only should we remember the significance of worship, not only should we remember what we're trying to accomplish when we come in here, but number two, we need to prepare our hearts to experience the greatness of God during worship. You should show up every Sunday morning with an anticipation and an expectation that the Lord is going to do something incredible in our midst. You should come to worship expecting Him to do something amazing. I was doing some reading this week on worship and I encountered this quote I thought was very interesting. I want, you to, I want to read what this guy says. I want you to listen to, to his analogy that he uses here. It just fits very well. He says, people on an airplane... And people on a pew have a lot in common. All are on a journey. Most are well-behaved and presentable. Some doze, others enter into a mindless trance, a few gaze out the window. Most, if not all, are satisfied with a predictable experience. For many, the mark of a good flight and the mark of good worship service are the same. Nice, we like to say. It was a nice flight or it was a nice worship service. We exit the same way we enter, unmoved, unchanged, unaltered, and we're happy to return the next time. Hmm. You see, I believe that God's got something more for us than just that. I don't think Jesus Christ stepped down out of heaven died on the cross for our sins, gave his life and sacrificed as he did so we can show up to church every Sunday morning and just go through the motions. I don't think that's what it's about. I don't think that brings him honor and I don't think he's pleased with that. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, Christ would look at so many of us and our attitudes and our hearts and he would say, you're just being hypocritical. You're saying one thing, but your heart doesn't bear out the truth. You're pretending that this is important and yet it's really not you're saying that you want to serve and you're saying that you want to study and you're saying that you want to know, but you're not living your life to indicate that you're doing any of those things that you say you want to do. And so I ask you the question with our worship and with our service to Christ, shouldn't there be something more? I mean, shouldn't we desire something more? Shouldn't we look at who Christ is and what Christ has done and what he's accomplished and what he's given to us and what he's done for us? And shouldn't we want to do more? Shouldn't we be ashamed when we just show up at church and go through the motions? Shouldn't we be ashamed when we don't prepare our hearts to receive his word? Shouldn't we be ashamed when we don't show up expecting him to do something incredible in our midst? I mean, he's the creator of the universe. He didn't want you to come to church just to relax and go through the motions. I can promise you that. Warren Wearsby said it like this. True biblical worship. Now, true biblical worship. 
so satisfies our total personality that we don't have to shop around for man-made substitutes. See, we truly worship the Lord and we truly experience His power and we truly experience His glory and we truly see something incredible happening. It drives us to want to know Him more. And it drives us to want to see Him more. And it drives us to want to experience His greatness more and more and more. So we ask ourselves the question, great, we're supposed to prepare during the week. We're supposed to prepare our hearts to experience His greatness. But how exactly do we experience His greatness? Well, look at verses 1 and 2 again. He's going to give us a couple of ideas here. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. And then here's the first kind of important truth about when we're in the Word of God. Go near to listen. You see that? Rather than offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they are wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. In other words, you don't, you don't need to come to church to, to say a bunch of things. There's nothing wrong with talking. But the point of coming to church is to hear from the Lord. Right? The point of worship is to hear His truth. And to hear his word and to figure out how to take his truth and apply it to your life. Not how to try to figure out what's true in your mind and make it fit in his Bible. That's not the truth. So many of us take our lives and we take what we're doing and try to, we try to pigeonhole it into the scripture. We try to make it fit so we feel better about ourselves. What we ought to be doing in worship is taking the truth of the word of God, listening to what he has to say, and changing our lives based on the clear teaching of scripture. That's what the Bible commands. But he says in verse 2, don't be quick with your mouth and do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God because God is in heaven and you are on earth and so your words should be few. There's this sense here that we need to focus our hearts on the Lord. You need to show up prepared. You need to show up ready. You need to show up to listen. You need to show up to focus on the things of the Lord, not to focus on how your work week went last week. Not to focus on the problems you know you're going to come to on Sunday morning, Monday morning when you show up at, at Job, not to focus on all the things going on in your life. And all those things are important. And we should lay those things before the Lord. But the point of worship is to listen to the Lord. And to focus our hearts on Him and to hear what He has to say. And so I wrote down some questions that I think we ought to consider. Questions that challenged me personally. Here they are. Here's question number one. How often do we attend a worship service with a mindset of hearing from God? Did you get up this morning and drive to church thinking, I cannot wait to hear what the Lord's going to say to me. I can't wait to hear what He's going to say. I can't wait to see how he's going to speak to me and how he's going to work and how he's going to guide me in my life. How often do we prepare our hearts to receive his word? Do we show up on Sunday morning having prayed through the week by saying, Lord, I want you to help me understand the truth of your word. I want you to help me to take your word and apply it to my life, Lord. I want you to help me take what you've shown me and I want to receive that as truth so I can use it for your honor and your glory. How often do we hear the songs and the sermon, and ask the Lord to speak clearly to us. See, it's about our listening. It's about our interest in the Lord. It's about focusing our heart on Him and on His truth. And so I started doing a little research on the importance of our heart. You know, the Bible speaks over and over about the importance of the heart, right? The kind of the seat of emotions. And so we read passages of Scripture like Romans 10, 9, where the Bible commands us to believe with our hearts. Matthew twenty two thirty seven says that we should love with our hearts. Colossians three sixteen says that we should give thanks and sing with our hearts. Romans sixteen seven says we should obey with our hearts. Second Corinthians nine seven says we should give from our hearts. Psalm fifty one ten David prayed after he was faced with his sin with Bathsheba. He prayed, Lord, create in me a clean heart. See, the heart is important. The idea of focusing on the Lord and, and thinking about the Lord with all of our heart and preparing to hear from Him is important. And we begin to ask ourselves the question, why is that so important? 
Why is it important to listen to God? Why is it important to focus on God? Why is it important to give him our hearts? Why is it important to try to take what he said and apply it to our lives? Well, Solomon tells us in verse 2. Look at the end of verse 2. Pull that back up again if you would for me. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2. Look at the last sentence. God is in heaven and you are on earth. Now let me just paraphrase that for you. We should listen to the Lord and obey his commands because he is God and we are not. Right? He's the creator of the universe. He's the sustainer of life. He's the giver of all good things. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere present. He knows the beginning from the end. He's got a plan for your life. He's God. And because he's God, we ought to listen to what he has to say. We ought to be interested. Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? I can't figure it out. What do you want me to do, Lord? How do you want to use me, Lord? Help me be prepared to receive the truth of your word. Help me be prepared to hear these songs and and speak to me through these songs and speak to me through the word and speak to me during times of prayer so I'll know what you want me to do. Lord, I want to show up prepared to see your greatness and to see how you're going to use me and to see what you want to do in my heart and in my life. And we should show up with this expectation that he's going to do something incredible. You know, we all probably have a favorite restaurant that we enjoy eating in. And if I went around the congregation and asked you to give your favorite restaurant, I'm sure you could all name it. For me, it's the Varsity in Atlanta, of course. For you, it is as well, I know. And so if I asked you to describe your experience in your favorite restaurant... You'd probably talk about the food, and you would probably talk about the service and and the atmosphere, and you'd probably describe it in different ways. But here's the bottom line. When you go back to that restaurant, whenever that is again, and you walk into those doors, you've got a certain level of expectation, don't you? You, You've got a favorite dish that you expect to taste just like this. Or you've got a a favorite table or location, and you expect to sit there, and you expect to kind of feel the way you felt before, and you... You have this expectation that the service is going to be really, really good. And so you go in with these expectations. And when you go to this restaurant, if those expectations are are not met, if your experience isn't as good as you had hoped it would be, if the food wasn't as good or the service wasn't as good or whatever, if you don't have the experience you expected to have, then you're disappointed, right? And you walk away and you're like, wow, that wasn't good tonight. You know, the food wasn't good or that lady was rude to us or it's too hot or it's too cold or the music was too loud or the music too soft or we've all got our opinions right and you walk away with an easy feeling you're not happy about the meal but watch this when you walk into a fast food restaurant and i do this all the time with my children you have pretty low expectations right (laughs) i mean we don't walk into a fast food restaurant thinking those those chicken nuggets are amazing here i mean you I mean, I'd rather have that than a steak. And we don't walk in with those kind of expectations. We don't walk in thinking the service is going to be great, right? I mean, you just kind of, you know, parents, right? Are you with me? You know what you're going to get. We don't go because the food's great and the service is great. Because it's, we go because it's quick and the playground's good, pretty much. That's where we go. That's why we go to these places. Pretty low expectations, right? I think here's the problem with our Christian walk. We've taken kind of this fast food expectation and we've put it on the church. And we show up every morning, we don't really expect much. We don't expect to hear from the Lord. We don't, we don't expect to be moved. We, 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 don't, we don't expect to, to really be challenged. We don't expect the Lord to really do anything in our hearts. And so because we come with low expectations, we leave satisfied. I don't think that's God's best. I don't think that's why Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. 
See, I think the Lord expects us to come to church and anticipate and experience His greatness. But in order for you to do that, I think you need to prepare your hearts that when you show up, you know He's going to do something amazing. Now verse 4 as we, we wind down this morning. We've gone from this idea of preparation leading up to the service. We've gone to this idea of preparing our hearts to experience the greatness of God and, and listening and hearing from Him. And now verses 4 through 7... Solomon's going to give us this picture of kind of where it ought to lead us. Of what actions should come from this. Now look at verse 4. When you make a vow to God, in other words, when you promise Him to do something, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It's better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin and do not protest to the temple messenger. My vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the works of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless, right? Therefore, fear God. See, we should prepare during the week for worship. We should prepare to experience the greatness of God in worship. And then number three, once we learn and worship, we should prepare to follow and obey whatever he calls us to do. True worship of the Lord should drive us to obedience. See, the point of worship ought to be that you come in expecting him to do something amazing. And as you sing and as you pray and as you hear the truth of the word, at some point the Lord speaks to you on some level, whatever that is. And he prompts you on some level. Solomon warns us here, don't, don't walk away from the service hearing the voice of the Lord and ignoring it. Don't make some promise to the Lord that you're going to serve Him more, you're going to love Him more, you're going to do better. Don't, don't promise that and then walk away and don't do it. He says, when you make a vow to God, don't delay to fulfill it. It's better to not make a vow at all than to make one and not fulfill it. Don't show up at church and hear from the Lord and then forget what you've heard. Because we focus on Christ and we focus on His teaching and we focus on His truth and we focus on His guidance, it ought to lead us to obedience. I'm reminded of Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas had been arrested and they were in prison and they were chained to the walls. And in Acts 16 verse 25, the Bible tells us about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. And I just think about how their heart must have been focused on the Lord. They've been arrested, they're chained, they don't know what's going to happen to them and yet they're singing songs to the Lord and hymns to the Lord. In verse 22, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose and the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. And the jailer called for the lights He rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Now I want you to watch what's happened here. This jailer has been awoken in the night. There's been this incredible earthquake and he's seen the power of the Lord. You ready? Now verse 30 says this. He then brought them out and he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? See that? See, when when we experience the power of the Lord... And we experience his greatness and we see his glory and we see his holiness in our lives. When we come to worship and we see those things, it ought to drive us to follow him. It ought to drive us to obey him. It ought to drive us to promise, Lord, we're going to live our lives differently and then fulfill that promise by doing all the things he's commanded us to do. But here's my fear with so many believers, and I'll put myself at the head of the line. So oftentimes we just play games with God, don't we? 
We pretend like it's important. And in our minds at that very moment, it may be. And then we walk away and forget what we've learned. We forget what the Lord has said to us. We forget that we're supposed to fulfill our vow. I would encourage you and challenge you, don't play games with God. Solomon begins this passage with the word guard. Be careful. God's got a plan for your life. He's got a desire for you to do incredible things through his power. He's got a desire for you to fulfill all that he's called you to be, but you've got to be careful because everything in the world is going to pull you from that. Everything in the world is going to keep you from loving him and keep you from following him and keep you from serving him. So we need to be active and aware. We need to prepare our hearts. We need to guard our minds. We need to follow him. We need to take time to worship, and we need to take seriously our time to worship because he's God and we're not. I want to read Psalm 95 because I think it's just a very interesting passage that speaks about the glory of the Lord and it speaks about his greatness in worship. Psalm 95, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, and the heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker, for he is God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. A.W. Tozier, in his book, The Pursuit of God, says this, The world is perishing for lack of the knowledge of God. And the church is famishing for want of his presence. The instant cure of most of our religious ills would be to enter the presence in spiritual experience to become suddenly aware that we are in God and that God is in us. This would lift us out of our pitiful narrowness and cause our hearts to be enlarged. This would burn away the impurities from our lives as the bugs were burned away by the fire that dwelt in the bush. See, we need to trust the Lord. And we need to follow Him. And we need to expect Him to work. And we need to worship His holy name, not because we're forced to, but because He is worthy of our praise. That's true worship. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for our time together this morning in study. Father, we thank you for the clarity of your word, Lord, and how you've spoken to us and how you have shown us truth. Father, I pray pray that we would understand the importance of worship. We would see the truth of your word. We would understand, Father, that we should prepare our hearts and prepare our minds and we should guard ourselves, Lord, against the attacks of the enemy to fully understand the importance of worship, Father. And then I pray you'd speak to us. We'd be ready to listen and Focus our hearts on you so we can hear your truth. And then I pray, Lord, as we hear and as we worship, it would drive us to obey, to do incredible things for your honor and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to give you a few minutes if you want to come and pray at the altar. Maybe you need to pray about your process of worship and your preparation for worship. Maybe you got... Somebody in your heart, in your life, you need to spend some time praying for. Maybe you need to repent of your sins and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you need to join this church. But this is your time now as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. 
We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.